1: Hello, I'm Natalia shpilova said I'm a host of New Books in East European Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm delighted to speak today with Andrei Kushnir about his book Epic Journey, Life and Times of Basil Kushnir, which was published by Academic Studies Press in 2020. Andrei Kushnir is an American fine art painter. He's known for his landscapes, city views, and seascapes, but also has created genre, portraits, and still life works. The artist's works are in the permanent Collections of the U.S. Coast Guard, District of Columbia's Commission of Arts and Humanities, University of Maryland, University College, Maryland, Museum of Florida's Art and Culture, Avon Park, Florida, Virginia Historical Society, Richmond, Virginia, the University Club, Washington, D.C., and Presidents of the United States and Ukraine. Before we discuss your story, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank
2: you, Natalia. Uh, Thanks for inviting me. I... I came to write this book uh, through a long journey, in a way uh, it goes back to uh, Chicago where I grew up. But uh, my my original training was, a, a, a professional training was as, a, as an attorney. However, I was always uh, interested in art and going back to my earliest uh, memories in school, I was the kid who, who whose pictures the teachers would hang up and uh, on the walls and, oh. and that sort of thing. Not always a good thing with the other kids, especially in a, a, a kind of a tough neighborhood in Chicago where I grew up in. But anyway, uh, so I had these two kind of interests. Uh, to one extent, I am interested in everything. I love music. I uh, I, I I love art. I'm also also interested in history and politics. And of course, my Ukrainian background was very prominent, being a first generation uh, immigrant from, uh, uh, not from Ukraine, but from Germany. Uh, I was born actually in a displaced persons camp in Regensburg, Germany. My parents both had been taken as slave laborers by the Germans to uh, work in, in uh, basically farm work in, in Germany. Uh, they met in the camp, and I was born there. My brother was born there, also. My father uh, was a a. Um, <laughs> his story is really, really it's it's interesting in that uh, he did something while he was the slave labor. He had an opportunity to take a correspondence course, and he was always interested in automobile engines, <laughs> and so he learned how to uh, how an engine works and what its parts were. Just down to the you know smallest uh, detail, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. served him very well after the war, when he latched down with the Americans, and uh, he knew how engines worked, and dr- driving was no problem for him. So he he uh, got a job uh, as a, uh, a driver for the army, and I think back then these services all traded with each other. So if you're a driver for the army, you did it for the UN and for, for, for the relief organizations, or the ambulances and that sort of thing. Anyway, um, we, uh, we came to the United States and growing up, uh, <clears throat> my parents always encouraged me to, to go into something practical, such mm-hmm. as being a lawyer or, or a doctor or that sort of thing. And the legal thing seemed to be the closest to what uh, interested me, uh, although medical things were interesting but the, uh, however, I had a side uh, thing uh, of, of art and which didn't really uh, come into flower until after I had gotten married and um, I started my wife had a paint box from uh, her high school days which she gave me, had a bunch of oil paints in it, and I started painting, uh, and I really learned to love it. I also l- learned to love being outside, and so it, the, the the painting and the outdoors thing came, came together. Uh, in the meantime, I had progressed and gotten a law degree from uh, Howard University here in Washington, D.C., and uh, I... Last on as a an attorney with the Federal Aviation Administration, and then later jumped to the Department of the Navy Office of general counsel um The legal work was uh, you you might think it might be boring, but I fell into a the area of government contracts and you know there's a lot of interesting things that happen in the world of government contracts uh I did some litigation. Um, was able to travel quite a bit uh, doing doing this kind of work and at one time I was the uh, legal counsel for the naval sport uh, 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 naval supply depot in Yokosuka Japan for a couple of years and uh by that time I was painting and I did some painting I never did some plein air painting in Japan because uh, I didn't really get into that until I we got back but uh, the, uh, the, so the, the legal part of me was one part and then the painting part was the other part. And I actually found that the one helped the other. You learn things as a, as, as a lawyer about putting things together and you make, I, w- I want to say making an argument, but it's kind of the same thing in the, in, in the pictorial sense where you have a general, uh, subject and then you have the supporting elements and that sort of thing. Um, so uh fortunately or well it could have been unfortunately but the legal the activity the navy activity that i was with the naval uh uh space and naval Warfare systems command moved to san diego and i was able to uh leave early retire early uh at the age of 50 and with the permission of my my wife uh araya <laughs> uh, uh she said, you know, you've, you're, you're painting and you talk about it all the time. Why don't you use this as an opportunity to jump into a, uh, what you really want to do? What, what? And so I did. I, I jumped full into it, and I was fairly lucky. Uh, uh, within a couple of years after uh, swimming around in the art world, I got into a gallery here in Washington, D.C., where whose owner Michelle Taylor was also an artist, and she saw my drive, and she helped me transition to painting larger uh, paintings, and and uh, I uh, the thoughts of design and color and that sort of thing, and I found that uh, the the parts of my life that dealt with the legal uh, 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 profession really. Helped me in keeping records, keeping track of things uh, the, in the business aspect, but also helped with the artistic parts. So they, the both of them, kind of progressed together, and ultimately, uh, I was able to uh enter into a lot of uh competitions, art uh, shows, and such, and uh, slowly began a career as as an artist. Through that, uh, uh, ended up. Uh, owning a couple of art galleries. I still own one here in Washington, D.C., American Painting Fine Art. But uh, the first two were uh, as business partner with Michelle Taylor, who kind of knew the ropes of the art world. And I was kind of the detail guy since I knew about keeping records and that sort of thing. And uh, we ended up with uh, one gallery in Elephant City and another in Manhattan, actually in the Ukrainian village, Uh uh, which was a... a a great uh, accomplishment as far as I was concerned. Mm -hmm. I was there. And uh, in fact, our gallery faced Tarashuchenko uh, place, uh, right uh, a few doors down from the Ukrainian Museum. And uh, it was very comfortable. Uh, I still lived here. Uh, uh, My business partner, Michelle, moved up to New York and she lived actually in the building where the gallery was. And... uh, we were there for five years until the downturn happened and which everything kind of fell apart. Uh, plus Cooper union, which was right across the street from us decided to build this new building. And, uh, it just became impossible to, to do business there for, for a few years Mm -hmm. in which case she ended up moving back across the country and I had to close the gallery. I still keep some contacts in New York, Mm -hmm. but I, I, I at the same time I opened the shop here in Washington DC and that's where my my art is uh, uh shown primarily and uh uh where I have a little office and a, a gallery and, and so it's 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 good in the meantime my parents uh who were living in Chicago uh in the actually the Chicago area they moved to uh, a little suburb called Palatine, and they had a couple of um, acres there. My uh, my father really got into beekeeping, which his father did as as a uh, back in Ukraine. Um, and so they also had. It's, it was probably a, a Ukrainian immigrant's dream come true. They had a huge a garden uh, and uh, a kitchen garden. They grew everything. And they also had fruit trees, uh, uh, raspberries, strawberries, every kind of tomato, every vegetable you can think of, uh, plenty of flowers. And they they did uh, sell some uh, honey and uh, produce like that. Ultimately, they ended up moving to Florida uh, as they got a little older and they wanted to be in a, a, a bit of a better climate. In the meantime, I'm kind of progressing, uh, uh, trying to progress the story uh, in a unified way. But in the meantime, you know, you grow up in, 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 a, in a household where your parents primarily speak Ukrainian um, and, and you hear these stories and the stories just keep coming um and to some extent it's in one ear and out the other you're you're in a, you're in a different world from what they're in and uh, but i but being the eldest of the family and closest and remembering actually being in Germany very very poorly but i do remember a little bit of it and um you 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 feel a little closer i i know that my brother Anatoly and and myself uh, seem to be a little bit more uh, receptive to the Ukrainian uh, immigrant experience. My sister and younger brother, uh, my sister Nadia and younger brother Volodya are uh, much more uh, uh, integrated into the uh, American culture, I I think, although they're both real dogmatic Ukrainians as well. So it's uh, 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 the, their attitudes are just slightly different from from Tony's and mine, um, but my father uh, had this almost—I uh, don't want to say cross the bear. He he, his family had gone through some horrific experiences. Yeah. Members had been sent to Siberia, other places in 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 in, in, in the Soviet Russian Empire. Uh, and, um, he, you know, these things were always on his mind. And, um, at one point he was talking about, well, I, I, I need to get this out of, out of my system. I, I need to tell somebody my story and he had checked around, uh, about, uh, finding maybe someone who might uh, record these things or this sort of, uh, idea ultimately. It occurred to me, actually, I, I learned and he showed me a, a bunch of things that he had. He had a lot of postcards, which blew my mind. These were cards that his father had sent to him while he was a slave laborer in Germany from Ukraine. Said, How could this be? And he said, well, they had a very efficient post, postal system. You, you bought a card that was attached to another card, and you filled out yours and you put your return address on it and such, and you sent it to them. Then when they got it, they filled out their part, and they sent it back to you. And through, through the system, you were able to get So he doesn't have the cards that he sent to them, but he does have their cards to him, which I, I found very fascinating. He also had a postcard that he received from his uncle, Danilo, who had been sent also to Siberia. And then this it's really worthy of a movie they after the they they were building bunkers against the japanese for the soviet union and when they built these finished building the bunkers the the conscripts in these camps had to take the bunkers apart they loaded them on trains and transported them back through moscow and up to the arctic circle the uh, i didn't even know there was a, a country called komi k o m i uh actually there's websites with them now. And in fact, I found some YouTube videos of some of the uh, 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 step logs, the, the camps that uh, ex- existed up there. There were uh, The people who made them were either imprisoned in them. Uh, anyhow, my, my, my uncle was uh, with a group that was building bridges over the Yanisei River, which is apparently one of the longest rivers in the world. Uh, and but up there, he had said that um, the vegetation was so stunted you couldn't even cut a tree as that would it, be as high as an axe hand as as a uh, not axe as an axle. Um, so anyhow, he was up there and they lost track of him up there. But my father had these 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 documents, and interestingly, I recently came across the book that he actually learned about automobile engines that he got (laughs) while he was in Germany, he still, he had all these things and he was always interested in photography. And so he took a gazillion pictures and they were all in little canisters. Once I got into this project, I, I decided, you know, the lawyer part of me thought, well, geez, there's all this evidence. This is, these aren't just stories. These just aren't someone's memories that might be wrong. That might be exaggerated. There's there's some documentary evidence here. So I, uh, I assigned my father a task. I said, you know, I'll do this darn thing, but uh, you got to help me out. Um, how about writing some of this stuff down? Because, and he just went right to it. And he wrote, I don't know, 30, 40 pages in tiny little Ukrainian writing, mostly stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. You know, One sentence going a page or two pages long, <laughs> um, which then I realized if I'm going to do this it, I'd, I'd have to really to understand it to translate it so this is one of these things that took I don't know, 15 years to over a period of time just my part of it uh, and I'm glad that he did it early on because toward the end, the last couple of years of his life there were some holes that needed to be in his narrative, and I asked him, I, I would write questions out to him and I said, can you just respond to these questions? Well, his responses were not very satisfactory. He would just start repeating what he had written before. The The, 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 the good thing was, uh, they were down in Florida, and my brother Wally, who lived with them, would hear the, hear them from from him. And so I very carefully, uh, work through Wally to find out whether the, the the stories changed over time, whether they were different from what I got. And darn, it was this, it was the same thing. It's not like he memorized the same words, but he would go over the same details with him. So I, I had a pretty good uh, feeling that uh, what I was getting at was close to, to what really happened. And with the various documents, uh, I felt pretty comfortable and putting together a, a narrative about it. Once I got into the narrative, I thought, geez, I am so lucky uh, that I started this thing because it was much more complex. There were many more parts to it than I would have ever uh, imagined. I spent a week down in Florida with my father, just actually on the same computer. I, I made a scans of, of the postcards that he had gotten from his parents, and we went through every postcard, and, you know, because the writing was faded, so I'd, we'd have to blow it up. And together we put, pasted them together, to, you know, figured out with, what they said. Um, and in some cases, I mean, he had, I guess when he was in, in, in Germany in, in, working for the farmer, he would get these, these cards and he could understand them right then. But this is 50, 60 years later, looking at them, he couldn't remember some of these things. Um, but together we were able to piece uh, mostly what was said there. Some some of it was maybe been blacked out by censors and such. So that was kind of a fascinating. It was a detective kind of a job. So that's how it kind of came into being. And uh, uh, it, it's the the book is totally something different from everything else that I've been doing for the last uh, twenty almost thirty years since I uh, left the Navy, because everything else has been related to my art projects. And I've had a number of them, apart from the galleries. And I um, took a project about 12, 13 years ago to paint the entire Shenandoah Valley. Uh, you need a lot of paint if you're gonna paint a whole valley. Uh, but uh, I, I fell in with a with a, with a, uh, a a group people including some scholars and people who lived in the valley and uh, geographers and publishers and such who guided me to places that were of historical and cultural interest in the valley. And Of course, for an artist, you you can't get much better than to have to go out there and stand in some beautiful field or in some little village and uh, do a painting of a scene. So in a way, the paintings kind of are a, a bit like the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tell a story. They 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 have contacts, uh, and they um, so really. When I think of it, I'm kind of doing the same thing in both in, in, with both uh, both of these projects, uh, the book and and the Shenandoah thing. And I, I also, when we were up in New York, I painted a lot in the East Village. I've got a group of paintings there. I'm working on another book. The, the paintings uh, uh, of the East Village and what it was like back then. It's now ten years since since that that shop closed down, but we were there when when there were still things going on like CBGB, you know the the the, the club, uh, the Amato Opera, uh, the the Surma Bookshop, uh, which has closed since then, and uh, so that's uh, in a way I've i'm very fortunate uh, that that uh, have been able to use both the 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 uh, legal part a legal mind part of it and and the art uh, the uh, the part that relates to uh trying to uh capture something uh an emotion mainly uh, of what the scene is like
0: slash nbn50 to get 50% off.
1: The story that you describe is very difficult to read because it triggers uh, deep and intense emotions. And at times it reads like a movie plot because it's so difficult to believe that one person had to live through all those atrocities that you mention. I'm wondering what was the triggering point for this project what made you want to share your father's story with the audience and with the public
2: well it, you know it, it's an evolving thing I guess it's sort of like life itself uh, but you know in, in a way I, c- I can apply the same ideas you know my father was sort of the main thrust of the, the main subject of the story uh, just in, in a, as in a painting you you would have the main subject of the painting and all of these other elements are supportive of it, but it ha- in, in order for it to be, to, it has to be co- cohesive and it has to make sense altogether. And so, you know, if, 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 if you're an attorney and you have someone on the stand and they're telling you, uh, and, and you're asking them about various uh, facts, the 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 other the, the other side is going to try to poke holes in their story and find inconsistencies or uh, falsehoods and that sort of thing and that's the part that I try to work hardest on uh, and I as as I mentioned when I was uh, talking about it generally uh, I tried to poke hold as much as I could and there's some parts of it. You know, uh, I, I sharpened up. Uh, no question, my, uh, you know, it just a simple thing like you know. I, you know he kept talking about Novabubnivka, the the town, the, the the village that he grew up. So I think, well, yeah, this wasn't in his original telling of it. So I said, well, what was this unlike? What? Who were the people there? What? How? How did it get the name? Uh, you know, th- these kind of things. Now. So you know how it got the name. I didn't go back to authorities in Ukraine and question them. Uh, give me the genealogy of the name of this thing. I I took it on on faith. But certain things, for instance, his he, his understanding was he thought that his his grandfather, the one who had been executed by 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 the Czechists, was had been a serf. Well, you know after I put the story into chronological order, I found that he was born after serfdom ended. So he couldn't have been a serf. So I said that. So then my father says, well, he was, I know he was very poor. And in in fact, his wife, Yarina, who was uh, my great grandmother, um, she's the, she actually lived throughout this whole thing longer than anybody. Mm-hmm. She was the, she was the, the anchor for this thing. So when, when his father and mother were taken to prison, to, to Siberia and to Mariupol, uh, uh, he lived with his grandmother, with the arena and his uncle, Danilo, lived with Yarina. The and then, uh, uh, apparently, uh, I, a- I asked my father, now how did they let her, you know, they they, they killed her husband, how did they let her leave he as well? You know, they, she came from an extremely poor family and she was like an untouchable even to, to the communists uh, they re, <laughs> the, the, the more uh, downtrodden you were the greater you were elevated with respect and so she somehow was able to to survive even though members of her family were shot and mis- you know, beaten, tortured, sent this kind of thing. Uh, she, she persevered through all this, all these things going through her, and she ended up dying in Ukraine. I guess it was in the '60s. My grandmother lived with her. Uh, she was apparently 96 when she died. Uh, so she, her her life was slightly longer than my father's, but she had, you know, her life goes back to the previous century. Uh, so anyway. The story sort of unfolded. The original, the initial part that got me interested was when when these Czechists came and, and 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 shot my my great grandfather in front of his family, and that was my father's initial. I don't want to say origin story, but it that's kind of the thing that prompted uh, all these things. And so when I'm when I'm tracing through this, I notice that that's kind of the. It, the fact that, that my grandfather was in the Padura army that became a stain on everything, everything from that point mm-hmm. on. And no matter what amnesties were were, were proclaimed or what other uh, corrective things people tried to do, once you had that stain, no, you couldn't get rid of it in, in that society. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, uh, this, this, my, my duty I felt was to cross-check as much of the story as I can, make sure that there weren't instances. The other thing I, wanted to, I, I do want to mention is I made a conscious decision to do this in English because, and I had given this, uh, 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 this story to several people to, to, to read before I sent it to the publisher. And in each case, I was told, you know, I never knew this. You know, it, uh, all I knew about what was happening in kind communist of time was from Dr. Zhivago. You know, no. <laughs> yeah. that's, uh, that's basically the level on which most people understand what life is there. And of course, you know, Ukraine was kind of a closed place. No one could go there, even if you were Ukrainian. And it and, you was know, sort of like uh, Chernobyl. <laughs> it was, it was a black hole and no information about the whole, the more about anything, uh, could, could, could escape from there. So, um, the idea was, well, here was an interesting story that covered a long period of time. Uh, a lot of, has a lot of hooks in it to other things that, uh, if, if it was just put forth simply, uh, and convincingly, in a kind of an unadorned way. I'm not a professional writer. Uh, there, there there aren't a lot of adjectives in this. I tried to put this put it together using my father's words as much as I could. But you know, his words sometimes ran on and on and on. So you, you had to you had to kind of heard uh, it all together, uh, and. Uh, try to tell it in a linear fashion, like you said, uh, you know, with the start, beginning, and end. And there, I'll, I'll make no excuses for it. The, the thrust of the whole book is about the first two-thirds of it. Mm-hmm. The last third, my part, you know, from the time we came to the United States, actually the early Chicago days were, were pretty, I thought were interesting. But after that, it's kind of just, I just have to finish it, get to to the present. That's that's what I felt. Mm-hmm. So you you notice there's a lot more pictures, photos there to, to just show what life was like in a, a Ukrainian immigrant's family, and, and I'm sure if we were Brazilian or Italian or whatever, it would be there would be a version of the same thing probably mm-hmm. you know, from what I've heard from what other people have uh, described to me. The thrust of it was that first two thirds of, uh, of the book. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: Your father was sent to Germany uh, during the Second uh, World War, but um, after the Second World War, he did everything he uh, could you know, to not return back to Ukraine, which was under the Soviet rule at that moment. Uh, then uh, he ended up in the United States, and I would say from that point on. Um, he it, it, his story turned into a story of success, probably to some extent. He was able to find a good job and it took him just a couple of years to start making money. And your family was able to afford things which for uh, many Ukrainians at that moment mm, were luxuries, cars, private properties, houses. Um, but uh, I'm um, wondering what memory of his motherland your father wanted to share with you, what memory about his motherland he wanted to transmit. You did mention the fact that uh, when you were in Chicago, you went to the uh, St. Valdemar Cathedral School where you uh, learned the Ukrainian language and where you probably also learned something about Ukrainian culture and history. However, I'm more interested in those personal stories and those personal memories that your father uh, wanted to share with you, and um, how did your father uh, want you to remember Ukraine?
2: You know, it, it, he. But that's a very good question because it's interesting. His whole life in Ukraine was during that time. It was it had all these hardships. Had these these incidents where. He was ridiculed. Where, where, where he was didn't you know? You were very careful at every step because anything you could say could be used against you. That was his memory of Ukraine, you know. Uh, uh, and yet he loved the place. And so, uh, so, the, so it's kind of a, a an interesting uh, 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 set of facts that that a person who came from a background in a, in a place that was not very pleasant, to have such a drive and a, um, a, a, a feeling of warmth for, the, for that place. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, my father and mother spoke as one. In our, in our family, we couldn't use the one against the other, as so often happens uh, in more modern contexts. But uh, there, you know, my mother was totally supportive, and he was supportive of her. And, you know, the, the, the community, and I think most Ukrainian communities uh, in the United States, you know, there, I just recently saw the, the, the little movie called Folk, about Ukrainian folk dancing. Uh, they're kind of lost in, I don't want to say a time warp, but they... they dwell on the, 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 positive aspects of the culture, not the political situation that, that existed there, uh, back in Ukraine. Uh, so it, within the, sh- the church and the Ukrainian schools, they would teach you the geography and the history, uh, uh, of, of, of the people. And, uh, so you got, and of course, All your closest friends were Ukrainian. uh, Had American friends as well, but the the the, the ones from church uh, and from the the Ukrainian organizations, those were the ones that you, you know. Of course, your parents approved of them and they liked them because they could understand uh, them and they knew their parents. So it's it's not a, a situation like here where your kids go to school. And they're they're rubbing your elbows with you don't know who, and that's not a bad thing in, in a way. It's a very worldly thing. It's not insular, and it's not provincial, uh, uh, which our experience was much more. Uh, but yet, it, it is an interesting observation that the thing uh, your your question that that he his feelings for the culture overcame, uh, his revulsion of what was happening there, uh, 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 by the, by the, the, in the political realm in in, in the country.
1: Did your father have a chance to go to Ukraine after
2: 1991? Yeah, yeah, he, uh, once Ukraine proclaimed uh, its freedom, uh, my brother and I got involved in, in a, uh, it's a separate story that could possibly be a little movie, too. Uh, there were a bunch of people who wanted to improve airports in, in Ukraine. First, Cave Airport, and then we, our biggest uh, project was the Kharkiv Airport, Ukraine's second largest city. And uh, so my brother and I had gone there a couple of times, and we talked to my parents about this. And they said, well, you know, my father says, I want to go back and see what, it, you know, and we'll uh, see, see what it's like. And so back, I think it was around 93 or 94, they went back together and told the end of the book, there's some pictures about it, and he describes what they saw. They they, they took a trip on the Strila, the, the boat that goes to Shevchenko's, uh, where, uh, uh, where he's buried. Uh, and uh, they visited the cave, and fortunately... Wife had been in a student exchange program, and she knew a a a principal of a Ukrainian school who, when they were in cave, helped them a lot. In fact, I don't know if they may have stayed with her or or, or this stuff. She 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 took care of them, but they went back. This is interesting. This is in in the book, but they went back to the village where to Novoabugunica to visit it, and. And some of this information I got more from my mother than my father, because mm-hmm. my father was very, you know, well, I'm going to go back there and I'm going to tell them, you know, how wrong they were. And, you know, <laughs> look, look at us. We're, we're now we're, you know, we're this kind of thing. And my mother said, you better watch out. You better watch out. So as they were as they were, uh, they had somebody, who, uh, a, a relative or a friend who's driving them into the village and there was some man walking on the road. And my father asked the guy, the driver, to stop. And he, uh, he says, hey, listen, uh, I'm going uh, there uh, uh, to move to, up. You know, that's where my parents were. And my, you know, my grandfather was was uh, killed by the communists there. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go try to find this grave. And, you know, we're, we're now in uh, America. Blessed. And he says, this guy was that they stopped was a very aggressive, hard line. I don't know what, but he says, well, you better watch out because the same thing's going to happen to you. <laughs> and my mother said, from that time on, my pop was very uh, quiet about uh, 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 his background and that sort of thing because recognizing that just just as in this country, it's still the civil war is still being fought in many places. back there, there are a lot of people who who are crying over the fact of the downfall of communism and how good things were then and now everything's uncertain and, and so it's memory memory is a funny thing it, you know it, uh, it, it's, it glows uh, uh, often when it shouldn't be glowing. Uh, so in a way, my father's uh, situation kind of preserved an outlook that uh, is at odds with reality in contemporary Ukraine. And of course, since the, the two, 2014 revolution, there's another uh, changeover, flow over of, of feelings and uh, uh, acceptance of a national identity which had. Been submerged during during the the communist era. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: You speak Ukrainian, and you also mentioned that some of your uh, family members also speak Ukrainian. But uh, I'm wondering what other, so to speak, Ukrainian things um, you preserve or you uh, keep in your household. Maybe Ukrainian food or Ukrainian holidays.
2: My my wife makes uh, the absolute her borscht is as good as my mom's. Uh I mean. It's, uh, it, uh, and it's vegetarian, oh. you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it, she, uh, she makes all the Ukrainian, you know, what anarchy, the, the whole, she can do everything else. And it's not that anybody, she just loves it. The music. We have a huge CD collection and we've gone to concerts. I'm fortunate being in Washington, DC, mm-hmm. Ukraine is here. And at one, t- at one time, um, I had an exhibit at the Virginia Historical Society down in Richmond. And by a really uh, uh, fortunate set of circumstances, the Voice of America, uh, the uh, Slav Novitskiy, who was a-, a Ukrainian film producer who worked for the Voice of America, made a little uh, five-minute program about the exhibit, which was actually then shown in Ukraine. And I found that after that happened, the people of the embassy all, all of a sudden, you know, I got calls, I got invitations to everything. I was a bigger star in Ukraine than I ever was here. It, it was kind of it it, it, it. it was funny, but um, I have very warm relations with with the embassy of Ukraine. Uh, I also, you know, I'm a member of our church here. Saying a uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm talking about Chicago. Which, St Andrew mm-hmm. uh Ukraine Orthodox Church. Um, my my wife's family is from Toronto area in a, in Canada and there her I think her nephew married a lady from Ukraine and there they have a little baby and uh, so every there there's there's still these big broad connections uh, uh with uh all of the, all of my parents' kids, there the were four of us, had married other Ukrainian uh, Americans uh, here. Now that's not true of our kids. For some reason, it, maybe we, you know, see it, it was just too much. I don't know what it is, but but it's fine. Everybody accepts it. Everybody it, it, uh, knows that this is our heritage, our culture, where we come from, and it's a good culture you know, that's one of the things I'm proud of, you know, Ukraine, the nation never attacked anyone, never enslaved anyone, never, I mean, throughout history, we were the slaves, you know, so in a way, we were, it's got a very good record, and right now, there's a lot of very positive things going on, there's a Great dialogue going on between the Ukrainians and the Jewish uh, community in Ukraine and in general, and and, and and the Poles are are from the time of independence have been our biggest supporters. You know, uh, it, the, the the countries around Ukraine seem to be very supportive, other than our neighborhood, our neighbor to the north. You know, uh, and, and and in fact, it, it's a sad situation because. You know the, the Russian people are are, are great people. Also, uh, they they just uh, have leaders who who pick at the things that uh, you know are very divisive uh, and uh, have a kind of megalomaniac kind of sort of attitude about mm-hmm. about. But in general, we're we're um, within the, our household. We speak English. I have to say, mm-hmm. uh, and. When I was in Ukraine for a week at a time back in the 90s, you wouldn't believe how good my Ukrainian became. I could, I even was thinking in Ukrainian and uh, it, it's just the usage is, is what determines things. But on the other hand, you know, I realize I'm in the United States. And I, I'm an American. I uh, I play the banjo. Mm-hmm. I play, you know, I, I, I like American music. Actually, I like American music as much as I like Ukrainian music. Ukrainian music to me is often very sad, and uh, uh, but but it's very dear as well. Uh, so that's kind of the, a round, rounded out picture. You
1: have a chance to paint when you were in Ukraine, for example, the views of the Dnipro River. Uh,
2: you know, I didn't paint. I I was there. It was such an intense experience with the project that we were trying to put together. But I took a lot of pictures and I have done some, I have painted, uh, uh from one of my, uh, a couple of my photos, a picture of those over the Dnipro. Mm-hmm. I actually also here in Washington, I painted the Shavicheko monument a number of times. I painted the Ukrainian Institute in New York. I painted the Ukrainian uh, paintings of the Ukrainian embassy a couple of times. Uh, one of them actually was, was, uh, Purchased by the staff of Ambassador Shamshuik from Ukraine uh, as a, as a present for him. Uh, so I, I, you know, I'm I'm just as happy to paint, uh, uh, do a painting of uh, a Ukraine subject here as I am of the Shenandoah Valley. It's it's another subject and it's another uh, something to, to be able to uh, try to uh, exercise my 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 creativity. I
1: guess. Thank you so much for your book, which provides this very insightful um, insightful perspectives uh, on some personal stories, on some personal histories. Uh, but as I already mentioned, um, this story is not entirely personal because oh, you, you, you took it uh, to a different level, to the level of Mm, uh, stories that emerge between the nations and between the states mm, uh, on the one hand the story does provide this very personal uh, insight on how we probably establish our relationships with people uh with whom we share uh one story one history uh one geography one space um the book uh, is very hard to read mm, and um, at times, probably one will have to take a break because all those atrocities that you describe uh, really make one uh, makes one make one think um, how difficult it is uh, to live through all those tragedies. However, what I admire actually about your father's story is that um, he was able to somehow. Um, um, somehow survive uh, and uh, build his new life in the United States. Well, thank you so much for your moving book.
2: Thank you, Natalia. Thanks for having me.
1: Today I spoke with Andrei Kushnir, author of Epic Journey, Life and Time, which was published by Academic Studies Press in 2020. Thank you for listening to New Books in East European Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network.